is episode 135 of Bella in Your Business. This episode is brought to you by my free webinar, Jump and Scale Your Business. It's my three-part training series, all dedicated to finding and attracting the right kind of people that will scale your business. Did I mention it's free? Listen, you have to attend this if you want to grow your staff, you feel like you're being held hostage, you have high turnover, you feel burnt out, or you're just not seeing the results you want. Join me for this three-part free webinar series. Register now at jumpconsulting.net forward slash scale. That's jumpconsulting.net forward slash scale. I'll see you there. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business. My name is Bella Vasta, and today I've got Bobby Klink, who's a lawyer, but not your typical lawyer. You guys, I first heard Bobby on Amy Porterfield's podcast, Online Business Marketing Made Easy, and I just like, Bobby, you don't know this, but I fell in love with you in the car listening to you because you did not sound like that typical lawyer. And it was at that moment, I shot a message to my virtual assistant and said, You need to get this man on our show. The pet sitters and dog walkers of the world need to hear from him. So uh, you guys, for those of you who don't know Bobby, Bobby went to Harvard Law School, which I'm from Boston, so I love that, and worked at prestigious law firms. But if you look at the big whiteboard in his office, you won't see much about law. It's filled with tasks relating to platform building, inbound marketing, and sales funnels. Bobby is a full-fledged online entrepreneur whose area of expertise happens to be the law, and he helps other online entrepreneurs safeguard them from the business. You guys, I'm going to tell you this up front. Usually I wait to the end, but go ahead and stock them on his website. It's youronlinegenius.com, and it's actually very fun. And there's so many resources on there so that you can kind of get to understand the voice that you're about to hear. So without further ado... Bobby, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad you fell in love with me listening to me on Amy's podcast. One of the things I like to say and that Amy has said about me is I try to make this stuff fun and not intimidating because I know the legal stuff can be so daunting and can seem like this impenetrable thing. So I try to make it not that way. Yeah. And you're definitely one of those industries where I think business owners just want to be an ostrich and stick their head in the sand and pretend like it doesn't exist. But it's something that we all need to know enough about so that we can protect ourselves. And that's why I'm glad that you're here today. And I know one of the very biggest questions that I hear around your field is what's the difference between an LLC and an S-Corp? from the legal standpoint. So can you break this all down for us and how we decide which we should be and all that? An S-Corp is not actually a different kind of legal entity. It's something you do with the IRS. It has to do with how you're taxed and how you're treated as a business. So often you're deciding whether you're going to be a standard pass-through LLC or an LLC with what's called an S-Corp election. And the fundamental difference is that When you are an LLC without the S-Corp 
everything that happens in your business just gets reported on your personal tax return. You pay your income tax, but also self-employment taxes. So things like FICA, the Social Security, Medicare, all of that on 100% of the profits in the business, whether you take them or not. An S-Corp, on the other hand, creates a slightly different situation. Your corporation, your LLC, will have to file a tax return, not pay taxes, but file a tax return, and you have to pay yourself out of that in normal payroll, like you're an employee. So you pay yourself through payroll. The business throughout the year has to file with the IRS, and if you have a state taxing authority with the state taxing authority, and has to actually pay in the income that the business does as the year goes on. And that has to be what's called a reasonable salary. So you have to figure out what that means and you pay full taxes on that. But then any profit above that, you pay your income tax, but you don't pay the social security tax, the Medicare tax, and all of those other pieces of tax that as an LLC, just a standard LLC, you have to pay. So there's pluses and minuses. It's kind of a balancing act. You have to walk. I always tell people, you really ought to talk to a CPA to make a final decision. Mm -hmm. But generally, the way it's going to work out is if you are in a service industry, like I think your listeners and dog walkers, sure. So if you're in a service industry and you're all by yourself, there's probably not going to be much advantage to being an escort. And the reason why is that reasonable salary requirement. It's hard to figure out what is a reasonable salary, but if 100% of your revenue and profit is coming from your efforts, selling products, you're not doing anything else, then your reasonable salary is probably close to all of your profits. So, so you- what I'm hearing is if, if any of our listeners are on that cusp of switching from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur, or yeah. I don't know, everyone kind of changes those words around when they're about to bring on staff and they're no longer responsible for 100% of the revenue coming into the business. This is now a time to start talking and thinking about an escort. That's right. Because at that point, a large part of the money you make Mm -hmm. is not your efforts. And so your salary is not necessarily a hundred percent of the revenue. You can make a good argument that you should pay yourself the fee that a manager would be paid. And then you have profits coming in from the revenue generated by your employees. And so that's when you can save. And again, I think we're at what, 13, 12 or 13% taxes on the social security, the Medicare and all that. So being able to avoid those 13% taxes is a big thing. (laughs) Plus, plus, let's be honest, once you hire someone as an employee, guess what? You're going to have to deal with payroll already. So adding yourself to the payroll isn't going to be that much harder. Yeah. You're a solopreneur. That's a separate thing. That's a pain. I mean, I use QuickBooks to do mine and they, they do all of my payroll for me. But even that, I mean, it's like 90 to $100 a month. I have to pay them for that payroll functionality. So when you're a solopreneur and you can't make a good argument, that's $100 out the door. Yeah. Employees, it's worthwhile. Yeah. That's amazing. You guys, if anyone's listening and they do need payroll companies, we have um, two different partners that we can hook you up. So just shoot me an email. But I love this, you guys. Do you see how simplistic this is? We talk about this so many times in our Facebook groups and we start running amok. And my best advice, because I can't really advise you, is always go to your CPA and have them do it one way and the other. And see what, well, how much money you want to save, you know? Can I make a point there? Make sure you understand what your CPA is saying. Yeah, um, that's good. I, I hear a lot of entrepreneurs who, so this happened to me after that appearance on Amy's show. In her group, I was seeing people asking these questions uh-huh. and it was clear that they had just 
formed an escort because someone told them to. They didn't know why. And so they weren't even paying themselves through payroll. So they were getting it all wrong. Yeah. 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 So make sure you understand. Don't just say, well, he told me to, so I'm going to do it that way. Make sure you understand the reasoning behind it. Yeah. You have to know enough to not be dangerous for yourself. Exactly. So switching over to your area expertise with this, is there anything we should know on the legal side, like between having an LLC and an S-Corp? An LLC, I've heard, builds like a wall between your personal stuff and the business. Is there any more protection having an S-Corp or maybe start from square one and tell us what an (laughs) LLC is? So, So not really. So again, what I always like to tell people is if you are in business and you're serious about it, it's not a hobby, you should form some kind of entity. And it's almost always going to start as an LLC. That's going to be the first place you go. And the reason is exactly what you said. What it does when you form an LLC or any other entity is it creates an additional person in the eyes of the law. There's you and then there's the LLC. And that means that the LLC signs contracts. So for example, for my law firm that I still run, the law firm LLC has always signed my leases. I didn't sign it personally. So if the law firm goes belly up and I walk the lease, they can't sue Bobby Clink. They can sue Clink LLC, but if the business is belly up, good luck. There's no money there. So you're not going to get anything. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of protection you get. Again, a lot of people think that an LLC or some other corporate entity is kind of a silver bullet and it will prevent you from ever being personally liable. That's not true. Yeah. You will always be personally liable for your own actions. So if you're a dog sitter, you go into someone's house and you destroy their house, they can sue you, not just your business, you personally, because you did it. But having an LLC or an S-Corp, especially since a lot of your listeners are about to start scaling and hiring, that's when it's important. If an employee messes up, they can't sue you personally. They can only sue the company. And so it gives you that layer of protection. So your house, your car, all of your personal assets, they are not going to be kind of subject to someone coming and getting it because of something that happens in the business. And that's something that's unique of having a corporation. Like some people say, well, I'm going to do a partnership. A partnership doesn't protect you. You're still at risk. And a partnership's even worse. If you have a partnership under almost every state's law, unless you do some really special things, you're on the hook for everything your partner does. 100% of your assets are on the line for everything your partner does that is related to that business. So that's kind of the beauty of having an LLC. An S-Corp is the same. Like I said, it's not a different legal entity under state law. It's just this weird thing with how you're taxed that's different about it. Okay, so what I'm hearing is from the beginning, and we, we went a little out of order, my fault, is when you first start the LLC helps create like another entity that might help protect and build this barrier. However, that said with the asterisk of if you are personally doing it, you can be personally liable. Then the next part of that is as you start growing and 100% of the revenue is not coming directly from you, it's time to kind of start talking to your CPA and thinking about paying yourself to help not pay so many taxes. Yeah, but let me give it one more asterisk there. Even if you're all by yourself, if you sell products in yes. addition to your labor, that's another place where an escort might make sense because sure. 
really it's, it's again, it's not related to your effort. It's when your income stops being kind of directly related to the hours and effort you put in, mm-hmm. that's when an S-corp, you're going to have a pretty good argument for paying yourself less and avoiding some of those taxes. Got it. Bobby Clink, you are awesome. You guys, again, if you are listening online, maybe you have one tab open or maybe you have your phone going while you're getting ready in the morning like I do. You can go to youronlinegenius.com to check out Bobby and a lot of like the free resources that he has. Bobby, another really important topic that comes up a lot these days, especially because there are pet sitting and dog walking businesses exploding everywhere, are partnerships. You started talking about it earlier. Can you tell us like the 101 of partnerships? And sometimes these partnerships are between friends. Most of the time it's like a relationship, you know, like it's either husband, wife or friends. Oftentimes it's not like, Hey, you want to go into business together? Okay. It's already kind of, they're living together. So what kind of legalities do we have to have in place to one, preserve our relationship and make sure business doesn't come through it. And two, just to protect ourselves in the long term. Well, there's a saying that I've heard. I think I first heard it from Dave Ramsey, uh, the Mm -hmm. personal finance guru, but I love it. It's the only ship that won't float is a partnership. And I give that as a caution. Partnerships outside of the medical field and the legal field have a very bad track record. So mm-hmm. I want to put that on the record so everyone understands this. When you go into a partnership, you need to be very careful because there is a lot of risk. And the risk isn't purely legal. There are legal risks there, but I have seen so many relationships destroyed by Me partnership. Too. And again, if you're going to do it, number one, from a legal perspective, I would suggest that unless you can form what's called a limited liability partnership, that's called an LLP, Mm-hmm. It's a partnership that's like an LLC. Unless you can form one of those, don't actually, from a legal perspective, form a partnership. Form an LLC with multiple members who are owners. Yeah. So that just gives you a layer of legal protection. What Fun- does the LLP do? It was a creation that allowed partnerships to work like a limited liability company with limits on liability. Because again, traditionally a partnership, there were two kinds from a legal perspective. There was what you think of as a traditional partnership where you are 100% liable, all your personal assets are on the line for everything you do, everything your partner does, and everything else that happens in your business. Mm-hmm. Then there was what was called a limited partnership, which was essentially one partner actually makes all the decisions and runs everything and the other partner has no authority and then has no liability. So that was kind of a different thing. So states created this new entity called a limited liability partnership that gives you kind of the benefits of a corporate entity with a partnership. Again, there's no reason to call it a partnership. Just do an LLC. You can do a company and have it exactly the same. And you can be 50-50. You can be 33-33-33, however you want to do it. Most people will structure it as an LLC. Partnerships, again, they're generally only used, for me, if someone's coming to me, it would be like if it's a law firm, if it's a medical practice. Those are the only places where you're really seeing it a lot these days. Uh Uh-huh. But again, so I would go with a corporation generally, an LLC. But then beyond that, to answer your question, to protect the relationship, the most important thing is to have a rock solid written agreement in place when you start. And that agreement has to deal with all of the problems. 
What happens if someone dies? What happens if someone becomes disabled? What happens if someone just doesn't perform? Mm -hmm. What happens if your partner all of a sudden gets hooked on drugs and just isn't around? You need Uh all of those things worked out and worked out at the beginning when you're calm, you're not dealing with it, there's no dispute, so that if something comes up, you don't have to deal with it in the heat of the moment. You go back and say, what does the agreement say? You know, what do we do in this situation? So if you don't listen to me and do a partnership, it would be in your partnership agreement. If you do an LLC, that would be dealt with in what's called an operating agreement that sets all this out, sets out how's it managed, who's in charge, et cetera. And then, especially if you have a 50-50 partnership, you need to have what's called a buy-sell agreement. Mm -hmm. Think about it this way. What happens if you two are 50-50 and you disagree about something? Mm -hmm. What happens? You need some way to break that tie. And often that's in what's called a buy-sell agreement that basically it's a way that if you're at deadlock, one person is going to get out somehow. The traditional route is what we call the Russian roulette model. I think that's what most people call it. It's basically where one person says, I want out. Here's what I say the value of the partnership is or the company is. And then the other side gets to say whether they want to buy or sell at that valuation. So it kind of forces everybody to act reasonably. But hopefully it never comes to that. But that's what you need to set up is all of those things. How do you end it? How do you deal with all of these problems that could come up? I love that. Knowing what to do in the end, because I always say like, you're not going to take this business to your grave. You know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. So if you can just figure it all out while everything's amicable and you guys are friends and everything's great, then do it. But I love your advice too on not doing a 50-50 and doing officers, I think is what you called them. Yeah. So in an LLC, you would have your what's called members and managing members. Mm -hmm. So you could have people who own a piece, but are not involved in the management, but generally they're going to have the right to vote on the management. So, you know, if you're managing it and they don't like it, you could get voted out. So you don't have to have it where everyone's involved. There are often partnerships where one person is a silent, and again, whether it's a partnership or whatever, one person is a silent person, just was there for the money and maybe some advice, but is not actually actively working in the business. Got it. All right, in our final minutes, Bobby, I want to ask you another hot topic that happens. This is like just the best podcast ever. I love this podcast. The last one is a lot of us pet sitters and dog walkers, we're having people sign up with us online. It's a third-party software system that's encrypted and it's actually not on our website. They go to another website. However, on there too, we're putting our service contracts and there's a click here to agree kind of thing. It's an electronic means of doing it. We're not necessarily doing DocuSign and stuff. What do we need to know about that? Is click here to agree with an IP address and the timestamp enough? Do we need to be bringing a physical piece of paper and having them sign it? Or do we need to be using DocuSign? Like from a legal standpoint, how does that all work out? And can we uphold our service contract in a court of law by saying, well, you signed up on our software at this time and this date? So you definitely don't need a physical signature. Woohoo! Did you guys hear that? There is a law here in the United States that says electronic signatures are valid. Mm -hmm. And further, there's, so what I'll tell you is, if you think about it, there's kind of layers of perfection here, right? Having someone do DocuSign would be better than a click to agree because there's really no question. Someone signed it, they clearly meant to agree. Right. But let me ask you a question. Do you have Apple products? Do you have an iPhone by any chance? Yep. I know exactly where you're going with this. <laughs> Does Apple make you sign something or do they make you click something to say they agree? No, they exactly. Or like when you get your airplane ticket. 
Yep. I don't have to sign anything. You just click. <laughs> and my view is if it's good enough for Apple, it's good enough for me. You know, there are some courts that don't like it. Some judges have, have raised a concern because nobody reads this stuff, et cetera. But the fact is that it is the industry practice Mm-hmm. on how you do business online. Again, depending on the value, like if you have a big client with a big payment, I might consider doing DocuSign. And just yeah. let me explain. So I have, I sell products online. I sell individual templates, et cetera. And people click things to accept terms and conditions, et cetera. But if I ever did like a high ticket offer online where I was charging multiple thousands of dollars to someone, I would go a step further probably and have them do a DocuSign just so there's no questions, so that there's no issues, so there's no dispute, but you don't have to. And just so you know, I mean, I, I just went through a launch of a product charging people $1,000 for it and I just had them click and accept the button on the bottom and that's all I did. I love that you just cleared that up for us because again, in the pet sitting Facebook group, sometimes people are saying, oh, I have to have them sign it and I, it's just not the way the world works anymore, right? Nope. All right. So I want you to tell our audience how they can, I like to just call it what it is, online stock you and get more of your goodness that will extend past this podcast and how you can help just be supportive of their businesses as they're growing. So the first thing is exactly what you said. Go to my website, youronlinegenius.com. There's a lot of great resources on there. Among other things, kind of my signature freebie that I have for people is my Online Genius Academy. It's like 30 plus videos where I walk through legal stuff. Some of it may not apply to you, but some of it will. I mean, if you have a website, there's stuff about the website issues. I have a whole module in there about business entities, about LLCs and why, and then how to run it. I mean, how to actually kind of keep the money separate and things like that. So there's a lot of great stuff in there that's absolutely free. It used to be part of a paid product. And I said, forget that people should know the law for free. So that's one thing. Again, you can find it on my website or you could just go to youronlinegenius.com forward slash academy if you just want to go straight to sign up for that. On Instagram, I'm at youronlinegenius. At Facebook, I've got my page. I have a, a community group that you can join for free where you can kind of ask questions and you know get information if you are interested in that. Keeping up with my very creative naming, you go to youronlinegenius.com forward slash community and it will take you right there. So those are the best places to find. I love it. My goodness. I can't even wait to dive into all of it. I didn't know all of that stuff. That's awesome. Bobby, thank you so much for being on the show today. You guys, if you loved this show or you had an aha moment, go back and figure out where you saw this post. Tag Bobby. Let Bobby know. Let me know. And if you really liked it, I'd be honored if you would leave us a five-star review. When life gets you down, everybody, remember to always keep jumping. Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.